the world of entrepreneurship can be complicated. Add on top of that the whole online business, online marketing world, and it becomes flat out overwhelming. If you're growing or scaling your business and finding yourself drowning in tasks, this episode is for you. Today, we're talking to business growth and systems strategist Kristen Westcott about just this. How do you scale your business without stressing yourself out, working all hours of the day, or breaking the bank? In this episode, we talk about what is an integrator, a director of operations, and an OBM. And also, what is the difference between all of these things? How do you know which one to hire and when? We talk about the business mistake that cost Kristen over two years and $100,000, and of course, how to avoid it, because it's more common than you might think. Kristen shares some great tips on knowing when to outsource and what to outsource in your business, how to create simple processes so you can outsource and onboard your team effectively and efficiently. She also talks about how to know when it is time to hire an OBM and eventually a director of operations or integrator. Today, you're going to hear some simple things that you can do to create SOPs and systems in your small, medium, or big business, even if you have no idea what an SOP even is. And we also share some great plugins and tools that'll help make your life easier and save you time. One of my favorite things that we talk about in this episode is the importance of time, of spending your time not only on the things that you can do, but the things that you do best and that you love doing in your business, in your family, and your life. Listen up, Golden Girl, you're going to hear how to know what the next step is to grow your business and how to grow your team at the right pace and the right time so you don't break the bank or stress yourself out mentally or financially to scale your business to the level you dream about. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Well, hello, Kristen, and thank you so much for joining Golden Girls Podcast today. Hi, Lisa. I am so excited to be doing this episode with you today. I have to tell you, Kristen has had this idea to be on the uh, podcast for months, and things have just been so crazy, and the whole time I've just been thinking, I can't wait to have you on here. So this is kind of a dream come true to actually have you here today. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking to you too. I've been following you since your podcast launched and I was like, when am I going to get to talk to Lisa? (laughs) (laughs) Today is the day, my friend. Today is the day. So you guys, for you who don't know Kristen, I get the blessing of knowing her, but for you who don't, I want to tell you a little bit about her. She is someone who is a business growth strategist, system strategist. Oh my gosh, I totally am butchering that. She's a business growth and system strategist, there we go, who spent the last decade in the legal and educational field supporting leaders and students in the area of goals setting, productivity, and project management, all things we love over here. Then what she realized is that her true passion actually lies in serving entrepreneurs. So she honed her skills as a director of operations, and I know you're going to tell us a little bit about that. She quickly noticed that what was holding a lot of business owners back wasn't a lack of drive or ability. They were doing the hustle, I think, is what you're saying. But it was having a lack of foundational skills and systems that would actually support their day-to-day operations of scaling the business. So today, Kristen spends her time helping online coaches, copywriters, course creators, all scale without the frustration that growth can bring. And I have to say, this is kind of like a personal episode for me too, so I'm super excited to learn from you. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) So 
I think what your biggest thing that you said is different about how you see the world is this whole idea that not everybody needs an integrator. How about we back this up just a little bit? Because for somebody who may be new to maybe the online business world or new to scaling or growing a team, what the heck is an integrator? What is an OBM, director of operations? What are, what are all these things for those that, that maybe don't know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that because here's the thing about the online space is there's no actual certifications or qualifications. There's no college that oversees what people call each other, right? In, in the brick and mortar space, right? Your physicians and your teachers and whatever, they, they go to colleges, they get certifications and they have a, a title. In the online space, it's very kind of loose as to like what all of these things are. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So an OBM, an online business manager, let's start with that because there are a lot of people out there that are calling themselves online business managers that really are just your absolutely phenomenal, amazing virtual assistant, right? They they are doing a lot of the work. So when you think of things in terms of like all of these titles, I like to just go back to the corporate structure that we all kind of understand, right? You have your CEO, your CEO, right? The, the owner of the corporation. Then you have your COO, your chief operating officer. And then below that, you have your managers, right? Your manager of HR, your manager of tech, your manager of customer service, all of those managers, and then all of the people it takes to run those businesses. In the online space, our businesses are not that complex, <laughs> but we still have a similar type structure, right? Like the, the owners, the CEO, the founder, they're the ones with the vision, the big drive behind the company. And then usually they have some people supporting them. And whether, however many people you have supporting you depends on what level you're at in business, but you might have somebody that functions like your COO, like your chief operating officer, and that would be your director of operations. And so that's what I do for my clients as the director of operations. I am a strategic partner with them. And so what that means is I am helping them outline that vision, figure out the direction, the future direction of the company, and really translating their vision into something actionable and tactical that the team can then understand what they need to do and we act on it. And so then from there, I'm managing the team, I'm managing the projects, and I'm managing all of the processes that need to kind of be put in place for all these things to kind of happen smoothly. So I am like behind the scenes doing all of the things, moving all of the pieces and the parts to make the CEO's vision actually happen. Okay. Even just hearing you say that, I'm like, I want to hire you. I want to hire 10 of you. That sounds amazing. And I know you're probably going to talk me out of it by the end of this episode, but I just want to say that all sounds phenomenal. And if you're listening as an entrepreneur, like you are the CEO and how good does it sound to have a Kirsten on your team? You know what? And it is, and it is amazing if you're at that place, but this, this is what we're going to talk about today is like, not everybody is at that place. And there's just this desire to be like, I want that. And so I want to go and hire somebody to do that for me. But there are other people that you can, you can bring into your team that can give you the level of support that you need. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So what happens then is depending on the size of the company, right? Like if you have a six figure versus a seven figure company, your team is going to look very different. So if you're at the six figure level, right, or especially early on in the six figure level, you don't necessarily need the director of operations or the integrator. So an integrator is a term that was coined by, I don't know if anyone's read the book Traction or Rocket Fuel. That's where that term really became popular. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and essentially, they've trademarked the term, but it's, you know, whether or not it's kind of synonymous with either the director of operations or sometimes an online business manager, depending on what your OBM is doing. So now let's talk about the OBM and what the difference is between the director of operations and the OBM. So an online business manager, like I said, um, 
they can do many things. They will also manage your team. They will also manage your projects and they will also help develop standard operating procedures or SOPs as you can commonly hear them talked about. They will do those kinds of things. So people are like, well, what's the difference between the director of operations and the online business manager then? And there's a couple big distinctions. The first one is the online business manager is not operating at that strategic level. So they are managing, right? Just like it says in the title, they're managing the team, they're managing the processes, they're managing the project, but they are not strategically helping develop that vision and moving things forward in accordance with where the company is going to be going in the future. So they are told what to do and then they operate from that place and they manage all of the moving parts and pieces, whereas the director of operations is helping form that vision, form that strategy, and really is taking on more of that partnership role in the company without being part ownership of the company. So a lot of people like that because it allows you to have a partner in your company without giving up legal ownership of your company, which can get kind of messy if the partnership breaks down in the future. So this is a way to not have that, but still have the benefits of having that strategic partner. An online business manager is the person you would need before you would need a director of operations. You would need somebody to help support you with that. And a lot of online business managers actually do quite a bit of implementation, whereas your director of operations does not do implementation and your integrator would not do a lot of implementation. They are moving all the pieces around and you have team members underneath them that are actually implementing the projects, the strategies, and the things that you've come up with. So this is where the waters get muddy because a lot of virtual assistants are calling themselves online business managers. And a lot of online business managers are actually doing virtual assistant work as well. And so really a true online business manager wouldn't actually be doing diving really deep into doing setting up the tech and the automations and the launch stuff. But because the online space doesn't have these really clear boundaries, you're finding that your online business managers are actually doing quite a bit of virtual assistant work in the implementation part. Hmm. Fascinating. I would think too, I mean, the online business space is ever evolving, ever changing, and so are our businesses, right? Like things can change super quickly. So I can see why these roles and descriptions would get muddy. I mean, in any startup, you know, like you sort of talked about like a traditional corporate structure, but in a startup, which is where a lot of us that are listening and myself, I consider myself in, we don't necessarily have those clearly delineated roles and we don't even get that option. It's not like we can pass it off to someone else. So it's really interesting to hear you have have those distinctions and see where those things do get muddied and also understand what what might be helpful for us. So one thing that came up too is like even the distinction between virtual assistant and OBM and we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but can you kind of speak to that and how you see those as being different roles? Or, I mean, potentially could be somebody owning both a part of, part of both of those hats, but what does that look like to have a VA versus an online business manager? Yeah. And often I want to say like often your VA will grow into your online business manager. So they don't, that's again, where the waters get muddy. They might start off as your virtual assistant and then they start taking on the business manager tasks to become your online business manager. Are but, all the waters just muddy in this? I oh, get that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, you know, it, it's the Clear online space. Mind. Like you said, it's evolving so quickly that the roles just naturally evolve. But typically what happens is your virtual assistant will come in and they will be assigned certain tasks, right? So they their task might be to post social media, to respond to your emails, um, to book your clients through your scheduler, like what, whatever it is, but you give them a task and, and they just do it. <laughs> They're not responsible for managing their teammates or other contractors on the team. They're just supposed to take care of what they've been assigned, right? So they have a skill or a knowledge in a particular area, especially if you have a tech virtual assistant, right? Like they're specializing in Kajabi or Kartra or Infusionsoft, and they know all the things behind that. And so you just say, hey, please build me this funnel 
(laughs) in this system and they go ahead and they do it because that's Mm -hmm. what they know how to do. But they're not necessarily managing the whole project of what's going on. They're just doing their piece or their part, right? Um, They may or may not be developing the processes as they go along. That all depends on what's been asked of them. If it's not asked of them, they often aren't going to think to do it. Um, again, depending, I don't want to speak for all VAs, but it depends on how long they've been in the online space. If they are an experienced virtual assistant, they will automatically just start documenting that process because they know it's going to be asked of them in the future. But if they're relatively new, they're not going to think to do that. They're just going to take the tasks they've been assigned, mark them off in the project management system and just wait for the next one. Where is your manager? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, whereas your manager will think about, okay, I need to have this from this person before the tech VA can do it. And that means this due date has to be two days ahead of this. And then the links all have to be checked. So they're operating at a higher level of thinking about the project at a holistic level, not just the one task or the one component. Um, And especially this is where if you have multiple contractors. And so I know, especially when we first start outsourcing, we might just hire a copywriter to write a sales page. And then we just might hire somebody to, to create a graphic for us and somebody else to edit our podcast, right? So we're not necessarily bringing on permanent team members as much as we are hiring someone for a particular project or purpose, and then they're not an ongoing member of our team. And that is very common when you first start out because you don't know how often you're going to need that person or how many new programs you're going to be building. Um, But when you get a lot of those people, that's when it's like somebody needs to make sure that things are coming in in accordance with the deadlines so that we can launch at the date we've put in the calendar to go live. Um, And that's where you might start to need somebody who's going to be taking on more of that responsibility. Could be your virtual assistant that you ask to take that on, or depending on the revenue you're bringing in, that might be the time to bring in an online business manager to support you in that, or even a project manager at that point too, because again, there's even another role that we can kind of throw into the mix there just to muddy it a bit more. You know, I'm teasing you about it being muddy, but I, I, you're actually very good at explaining that. That's super clear. I really appreciate that. I, I feel like I have a way better sense of how those all work. And I also heard in there w- one quick tip and takeaway for anyone, if you've already got a virtual assistant, is to start creating those SOPs, to have them start creating those processes. Am I right? Is that Absolutely. one of the first things to do? <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know what? So many people, and we could talk about SOPs later, Lisa, but I mean, these are something we should automatically be documenting. And people resist doing it because they're like, I A, I don't know how to write it, right? Like who's ever written a standard operating procedure if you haven't come from a corporate background? So we're like, I don't know what that is. Just even the term scares me. I don't want to have to think about creating this thing. But really, it's just writing down the the steps that you're of what you're doing. Really, if we want to simplify it down, it's just writing down what you did and when. It's like creating a recipe, right? If you are making spaghetti sauce, like Write down what you've got to do in each step in order to, for that to happen. It's the same thing. Like if you're loading something into Active Campaign or ConvertKit, like what are the steps that need to happen? What are the things you need to click? What are the things you need to change? And so it's really just a matter of, it doesn't have to be pretty. Like just a regular Google Doc, writing all the steps is a good place to start. And then you can add and tweak and screenshot images afterwards. An even simpler way to do this for your listeners is to use Loom or Vidyard, yes. whatever you do. And just literally- I use Searchy. Okay, Searchy, perfect. And just literally talk to yourself as you're doing it, as if you're explaining to someone else what it is you're doing. Go, and then I'm going to click here. And then the next step is to do this. And just as you're doing your weekly newsletter, record it. 
and then pop that into a vault, right? Like pop that into a Dropbox or wherever you store your things so that down the road when you do hire somebody, now you have a set of videos for them to go through so that when you say, can you load this newsletter up, you can send them a video to say, try it with this, then send it to me to check. And then yes. they, they can actually write out the SOP for you from that. Yes, that is exactly what I've been doing. So I'm so glad you said that. It's exactly it. Like when I started outsourcing, I started recording some of these videos and it's super helpful. And then now I get her to create the SOPs uh, to it so that she can actually understand them better and, and she's got the nuances. So yeah, that's great. I, I think that it always it really did scare me to outsource for a while. And I don't know if anybody listening can relate to this, that it felt so overwhelming to be like, I need SOPs for all these things. But as soon as I realized that I could just create a video and it would take me maybe two minutes longer to do a video than it would have to just do it on my own, I started to see the value of it. And I think at a certain point, we do have to realize that sometimes there's like a little bit of front loading to be done to really onboard and support our teams. But then as we start to grow and scale, it becomes so much easier when we do this well. Um, and I don't do this perfectly. So I'm like, I'm an, a listener. I'm a beginner in this. I'm here for all you're going to share today. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing too is I hear from people, it's like, well, I don't know how to do that task. That's fine. That's why we hire somebody else to do it, right? Like, I am not a Kartra person, right? I would love to be, but I don't know the back end of Kartra. So, whenever I'm working with a client that has Kartra, I hire a tech VA to do it. And then I say to them, hey, while you're doing this, can you record a video for me just so I can understand if something goes wrong, how to fix this? And so then they do the video for me. And then I write it out in a way that I understand. Now I've got an SOP for the next time I might need to go in and fix something. I've at least got something to start from. I can give it a shot. If I can't fix it, then I contact that being, oh, sorry, I still can't quite figure this out. Can you come in the back end and fix it for me? Right. But at least I've got something to start with to try and troubleshoot um, if it's something I have no idea. And this is really important because your people are going to take vacation. One day we're all going to be able to travel again. It's true. One day. Oh, oh, I can't wait already. (laughs) You you know, and you're going to have people take some time off with their family or whatever. And if something happens while they're gone, you at least need something there to go, okay, well, let's see if I can try this out. Let's see what I can figure out from this process. And you can try and troubleshoot a little bit on your own before you hit the SOS button, right? Because you don't want to be that, that business owner that is calling their people on vacation all the time for every little detail. You want to save those phone calls for like the big like emergency moments. And so if you can get your team to write out some of the things that you're doing, it's not so you're going to replace them. It's so that if they're on vacation and they want to take some time off, you know, then you actually have a starting point to try and figure the thing out on your own before you you hit that panic button and call them. Yeah, that's such a good point. I also frame it to my team and I in a really genuine way that it's also for their growth, you know, if they want to try and learn something different, mm-hmm. they can, but we need to make sure that we can have someone else kind of pop in and do the other things. So, that's where I think SOPs is it's it's a win-win for everybody, right? And it's not about replacing them, not about taking their job, but about allowing them to take vacations or grow and try something different and not have the basic things in our business fall apart. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, such great points. Such great points. So you told me that you see a worrying trend in the whole online space. I mean, that's like a whole other conversation for a bottle of wine. I'm sure there's many. But uh, which one do you want to talk about today with respect to all this all this integration and OBMing and all the things? Yeah. So I want to circle back to when you said earlier on, you're being like, oh my goodness, that sounds so great. Like I think everybody wants to have somebody who does what Kristen does in their business. And That for me is a worrisome trend because yes, that role, it's a fabulous role. And when you're making that kind of money, 
that rule will make a huge difference in your ability to what, grow. What scale. kind of money are we talking? Just like, can you ballpark that so it's, we know? Yeah. So it's it's different for every business depending on your business model, right? Some business models are you need more involvement and other business models run more passively. So the income will fluctuate depending on how streamlined you are versus how many different things you have going on. But typically it's when you're around the 400 and to between the 400 and 500,000 a year range that you're going to be looking to bring on more of that operational support, more of that director of operations, that strategic partner. Are we talking gross or net? I'd say gross is okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All yeah. right. Sorry, I interrupted you there, but I just I'm like what? Like, where is that yeah. number? I feel like it's sometimes helpful to get that context in there. Yeah. Okay. So, so for people like, who are not making that between the four hundred and five hundred thousand a year mark, which is many of us, right? Like there is no shame in, in saying like I am not at that level because we we don't start. No one starts their business at that level. So grow with where you're at. But this is the thing: is people are like, oh my goodness, that's awesome. Like I'm so stressed out. I am working sixteen hour days. I you know I can't keep on top of my email and all the things that are happening. I need somebody else to just do this for me. And so what they look to do is instead of hiring more team members at the appropriate level, they look to have somebody else just take care of everything for them. They're like, I want that integrator. I want that director of operations because then I can just totally step back and just do my thing over here, serve my clients, do my create my content and everything else is going to be done for me. And that sounds fantastic. It really does. But there's a couple problems with that. <laughs> the first Oh boy, is, I, my heart is breaking. And who else's heart is breaking? No, if you're listening? I, know, I know. You'll get there. You'll get no, there. No, it's good. It's good. I appreciate that. I just like to tease you. The first thing is to have somebody fractionally in your business, not full-time, but just fraction at a fractional capacity. You're looking at anywhere between four to six thousand dollars a month to pay that director of operations. So when you take that amount of money out of your business every single month, what is left for other people to do the work? Because remember, your director of operations doesn't implement. So you can't have somebody overseeing everything and then tossing all of the tasks back on you. <laughs> That's not mm -hmm. going to fix your overwhelm problem. You're still going to have just as much to do. It's just somebody else putting it in order for you. That's not worth paying between four and $6,000 a month for. Like it's, it's just not to have somebody tell you what to do. What you need is you need more team members to implement before you hire at that level, which means you might need a second virtual assistant or a social media manager or, you know, a podcast editor, like whatever it happens to be for your business, you'll figure that out depending on your model. You need more people for your op director of operations to lead right? Because a big portion of what they do is team management. If you only have one person on your team, you don't need to pay somebody else to manage that person. You need to spend the time training that person so that they can then manage themselves largely with a little bit of support from you. And then you work on growing your team a little bit more. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is when you are in overwhelm and everything is chaos and whatever else, you cannot just bring somebody brand new into your business and throw it all at them for them to fix it and figure it out because they don't know your business well enough to create solutions that are going to work. So they can create solutions, but those solutions might actually end up creating more stress and more overwhelm for you because they're not the way you would normally do it or they're not 
the best for the, the future vision of your business, but they don't know enough about your future vision of your business to be able to create processes and solutions that are going to work. So you as the business owner have to be a, a big part of creating those solutions and creating that vision. If you don't have that and you just want to toss everything over to someone else, then it's your business isn't going to grow the way it could. You're taking a huge chunk of your revenue out to pay this person who isn't actually going to be able to do what it is you want them to do through no fault of their own. It's just you don't have the, the foundational structure there for them to be able to do, to get into their zone of genius and really kind of move you forward. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That's great. I appreciate that. Cool. So how – so let's say you are, just as an example, uh, working those 16 hours. You're feeling overwhelmed. You're like, I just need something. And I know you kind of have laid out different phases of business growth. So where – what do you suggest people do? What do you suggest I do? Kristen, tell me all the things. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in this moment. You're working 16 hours. You are just frantically overwhelmed. The very first thing you need to do is the number one thing you're going to resist, and that is to to step back and just take a moment, which when you're working 16-hour days, seven days a week, people are like, I don't have time. I don't have time to assess. But you do. You need to step back, and I'm going to say the word that people don't want to hear, but you need to do a time audit. <laughs> which means no, I love time audits. You need yes, to track me. your hours. You need to figure out what is taking you 16 hours in a day. What are those tasks that are taking you 16 hours? And what is the return on investment of that time? And so when I say return on investment, people automatically think money. And that is one part of the equation, right? Like what would that cost for me to outsource that to somebody else? But the second piece is what is the return on investment of the the time or the energy you're putting into that task? And we have to remember that as business owners, our, our energy and our own personal well-being and health is an asset to our business. Because if we are not functioning at the top of our game, our brand will suffer, our client experience will suffer, our marketing will suffer, all of the other areas of our business will suffer. And so we have to look at the energy that those tasks are draining, even if it's something that's really quick, takes me two minutes to do. If I am like angry and resentful the whole time I'm doing that, that's going to set the tone for the next task that I do in the day, which hopefully is not marketing or outreach, right? So you want to you <laughs> be careful. Yeah, You don't even do it. That was yeah, one thing exactly. that, I, that I found is that when it's one of the things that was really draining for me was formatting my emails. Mm-hmm. And if you'd asked me, I'd be like, it takes me like four hours to format an email. Once I actually audited it, it was only closer to like 30 to 40 minutes. But I would resist so much because it felt so massive. It was such an energy drain that I just wouldn't even do it. So I wasn't doing the marketing. I wasn't reaching out to my people. I wasn't connecting and building these relationships because it felt so draining. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to put that in there that it's it, even – it felt like it was so long. It wasn't that long. But I when I when once I saw that, I was like, it's so little time, but it, it's draining me so much. I was like, this has got to go because it stops me from even wanting to – to follow through on that whole process, that whole important thing in my business. I don't want to do it because it's one 30-minute yeah. step I have to take. Yeah. Yeah. And and so let's – like so then when you're looking at the return on investment there, so let's say you hire a virtual assistant to do that, depending on where you hire from and who you hire, 20, between $20 to $25, maybe $30 an hour depending on you know the intricacies of your, your email marketing system and whether or not you need an expert in that particular system. So let's look at that. Let's say it takes your, your virtual assistant – 15 minutes to do it because they do it all the time in that system. Okay. So you, now you've paid them. If you're paying them $20 an hour, you've paid them $5 to do that. And that's freed up how much time and energy 
what can you do that's going to make you back more than $5? Your marketing, your outreach, connecting with other online business owners to build a referral relationship, creating new content. You know, maybe it's um, adding another module to a course that you have, creating an ebook, whatever it is, right? Like whatever your business model is, thinking about when I free up this time, if I'm going down and I can offsource some of these kinds of things, then I have time now to do things that are going to make me a lot more than what I just paid out for that work to be done. Totally. Yeah, so good. I, You guys know if you've listened to episode 789, I talk about time audits too. I'm such a big fan of them. It's like the, one of the first things I usually get people to do. And it's something that I'm even doing continuously on myself this quarter to try and improve this because um, it, it's always evolving, right? Our relationship mm-hmm. with time is always changing. The work that we're doing is changing, especially in online business, right? Uh, what took us, you know, what we weren't doing a year ago, now we now it's a must do and vice versa. So it's always good to reassess. So I appreciate that piece of advice to start with tracking your time. Yeah. And it's something it, like that's where you absolutely have to start. Um do, do you use, I use Toggle for that. I've used spreadsheets in the past, but now I'm like fallen in love with Toggle. Is yeah. that what you usually recommend for people? That's what I usually recommend. So the very first time they do it, I like them to hand write it out because there's just something about like writing it down physically on paper where they can see it because sometimes things take us. So I know you said you're, you thought you were going to be taking three hours to form an email and actually took you like 30 minutes, but sometimes it's the opposite where we're like, oh, I've only been on Instagram for, for 20 minutes today. And like, when you actually write down how long you were on there, it's like, wow. And then you have to think, okay, what was I doing on Instagram? Was I actively connecting with you know, potential future clients? Was I actively connecting with potential referral partners? Like, what was I actually doing in that 20 to 30 minutes I spent on Instagram? Or was I just passively This is where stuff scrolling? gets really scary. <laughs> right. And so that's when you like, when you write it down with your, you know, with your own hand onto that paper and you're looking at it and you're like, wow, I spent a lot more time doing that than I, I ever thought. And if we can cut some of those things out or be more mindful of them and use your scroll time as your evening relaxation time or whatever versus your active marketing time, you can cut that 16-hour workday down a lot when you start to eliminate those kinds of things. Or like, I know a lot of people, they have their email up all day long, right? And they, if you're anything like me, where you see their little red bubble or hear the ping or whatever, you immediately have to go over and see what it was, right? And so just turn your email off. <laughs> put an alarm on your phone or put something in your calendar to pop up twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. Check your email, set a 30-minute time block to really go through and deal with whatever's in your email, and then turn it off. <laughs> Don't deal with them every single time that they come in. Same thing with Slack, right? I use Slack to run my teams, and I will mute all the notifications for a certain time block and then come back and check. Because otherwise, I mean, if you're on Slack, you know, it's like a group text message. Every single time someone responds or likes or whatever, you're getting a notification. And that could be really distracting versus if you batch that together. Now, oh my goodness, the, the attention now you've got to do the writing. Now writing that email only took you 45 minutes instead of two hours to write your weekly email because you weren't distracted by this other email or this Slack message or Voxer or Facebook Messenger or Marco Polo or you know any of the 800 ways people can get a hold of us these days. Oh my gosh. It's just my anxiety level skyrocketed just hearing all the different places people can get in touch with us. It's crazy. Crazy. So do you see some trends with most people? I mean, obviously some of the things that you shared right there are probably some of the trends you're seeing people getting distracted with Slack or email. Um, And do you see other trends in terms of where people are getting burnt out and unable to scale? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we can we could go for like a whole you know, days worth of podcast episode on this. But Should I get some couple. wine? <laughs> we could. We could. Sit it's 9.27 in the morning over here, but it's a Friday. Oh, it's 12.30 <laughs> here, so it's afternoon for me. I could drink. You're, you're good. <laughs> um, okay. So th- one of the biggest things is I, I love learning, okay? Like learning is my top strength in the strike finders, okay? So keep keep that in mind as I'm telling you this, but there's actually such a thing as too much learning, <laughs> following too many mentors, listening to too many podcasts, taking too many courses, right? And trust me, I made this mistake for two years in my business, okay? So I made the mistake more than once. I made it for two solid years and over $100,000 in money made this mistake in my business for the first couple of years, okay? So I am taking saying this from a place of love, <laughs> but there is such thing as too much learning. And this is what happens is we follow too many people and then what we try and do is we try and do all of the things that they tell us to do, which is not the same as that other podcast we were listening to or the other course we were taking and we're doing all the things and we're not doing any of them well because we don't actually have the time to really dive deep and implement the strategies well. So we're implementing the strategies only halfway and then not getting the results we want. So then we're trying harder and harder and harder and then that's where the burnout comes. So it's, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to put the blinders on, but really think of your top goals for the year. And really, I mean, Lisa teaches you all about goal setting, so I'm not going to go there, but think about that top goal and think about, okay, what is the one thing that I'm going to focus on this year? Is it Instagram? Is it podcasts? Is it joint venture? Really focus on the one thing. Is it creating better videos? Is it learning reels? Like whatever it is, focus on that one thing get that course that's going to teach you that one thing, speed up your learning curve, and then do the work. (laughs) Don't do it for three days or three weeks and then be like, okay, I think I've got this. Now I'm going to go in and add these other five marketing things because that's how you you end up with 16-hour days because you don't have time to develop a system when you're just learning it. You don't have time to streamline that system or really enhance or optimize your workflow or anything like that because you haven't been doing it long enough. And we jump to the next thing because we're like, okay, well, that's kind of working, but not really getting me the results I want. Um, and so we're constantly searching for that, the magic key, right? And what's going to flip that switch in our business? Oh, so good. I think probably most of the people I would imagine that are listening can relate to that on some level, uh, that it is so tempting to learn. And I think learning – like. It's like anything, right? Any strength too far becomes a weakness, right? Mm -hmm. And I even just talked about this on I think episode 31 or 32 of Golden Girls Podcast just just last week about how like loving to learn, that's one of the things that – that's one of my strengths too. But it's actually held me back then from hiring people sometimes to actually do it because I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn it myself first. But that means that I have – and I've made this mistake too in the last like two, three years of my business of learning everything first and then outsourcing. But the amount of time that it takes me to learn something and then teach somebody and then hire somebody that like I barely got there. It took me till year four to actually be able to hire just one team member, a VA to help me out. So it definitely held me back because I was spending so much time learning that I wasn't actually implementing anything. And then not only that, but trying to implement all of the things. And it, you know, and I'll also refer back to episode 10 of Golden Girls Podcast with Lindsay Johnson, where she talks about this, about how like you don't need to be posting on social media four times a day on Facebook and three times a day on Instagram and stories and reels and and Pinterest and Twitter and mm-hmm. LinkedIn and all and 
and in our groups and all those things. Um, even though that's what some experts online sort of tell us to do. And I've heard them, I've been in the rooms with them saying these things. It's just not possible for those of us that don't have massive teams yet. Exactly. And that's exactly it, right? So the people we're following are mentors, the people we who we you know aspire to be one day, right? We all have them out there. We're watching them and we're trying to emulate them, but they have teams, right? They have these seven-figure businesses now, generally, by the time they're, they become so well-known by everybody, right? Because when they become internet famous, then they have humongous teams. <laughs> and if it's just you and you're wearing all the hats, you definitely can't repurpose your content to that extent. Sure, you can repurpose your content, right, Lisa? You could take your your podcast and turn it into a blog post and then share it on social. That's repurposing right there. You don't need to put it on Medium and create a Pinterest and now post it on Twitter. I mean, you could, but how much really is that going to drive your business forward where you're at right now, right? And totally. Until you have a humongous following and you become that internet famous person, you don't need to be everywhere, right? And and by that point now, you'll have a marketing manager that's going to do all of that for you. And you'll just do the podcast and your team will take care of the rest. No problem to be anywhere that's the then, dream. right? <laughs> you know, the, I even had that thought this morning as I was getting in the shower. Those are like where the best thoughts always happen. But I was like, man, you know, how great would it be to be able to have like a video of Kristen and I and, and we could record the video and then we could like it's like have little clips. I was thinking about Gary Vee this week interviewing Matthew McConaughey and it was just so great to see this like little clips of Matthew McConaughey. I mean, obviously, it's great to see clips of Matthew McConaughey, obviously. (laughs) But um, I just thought (laughs) – totally off topic. But I just thought it was like um, really nice to see like little snippets of the podcast and it got me interested to listen to more of it. And I was like, oh, I wish I'd had that for this interview with Kristen. Like I I thought – had that thought run through my head. And finally – and it's taken me four years to get here. But finally today I was like – Lisa, remember that Gary Vee makes tens of million dollars a year. And for him to pay somebody $50 or $100 after the episode to split that video into clips, and it's Matthew McConaughey, hello, um, you know, that's that's okay because he's making tens of million dollars a year. Like for me, it's not really worth it to do that, to record the video and then have to have someone go through that. And it's just not worth it at this point. Um, so it, yeah, it was just, it's taken me four years to get there. So I just felt like I needed to put it out there and say, in case anyone else goes through those thoughts too. Today's the first time I really caught myself, one of the first times I've really caught myself beforehand thinking, remembering, who am I comparing myself to and is that really realistic? Yeah. And I mean- the That is the, mo- to- the best use of my time and money. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's like, okay, so how many more by putting that out there and having these cute clips and whatever, like, what is that going to do? I'm going to get some more likes on my social media. And then that's the thing, we, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We all need to feel loved. We all need to feel liked. And so those vanity metrics are, but what are they doing? Are we, you know, by spending that extra money or that extra time clipping those things, is that going to turn into customers? Is that going to turn into people that are working with you in a paid capacity, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a hard thing to check, to check that reality and go, okay, right. But the other thing we have to think about too is, we are going to grow and evolve as entrepreneurs. Our message is going to grow and evolve as entrepreneurs. Our offerings, whatever it is we're doing. So if you were to spend that time and that money doing that now, two or three years from now, you might look back at those and go, what was I even talking about? Like that podcast episode was horrible. It's not, but you're going to obviously be going like, what did I think I needed to have all these clips of whatever to be put, you know, on all these places when I wasn't at that level yet? Um, or they're no longer relevant to what you're doing. And that's the other thing. So many of us, you know, shift our focus, are really niche down even further. Um, and then those things 
can't be used anymore. And so if you're really in the first couple of years of your business, right, even the first three years, you're still kind of finding your niche. I say niche, I'm Canadian, but Niche, niche, however you niche. pronounce it. I, I say niche too. Okay. <laughs> how do yeah, you pronounce it? I think our American friends say niche, don't they? Yeah. You know, you're still refining that. And so not all the topics that you'll talk about. Like, So I started off as a health coach. 2017, I, I was a health coach. Okay. So all of the stuff I put out there on healthy eating and moving your body and rest and mindfulness and whatever, not that they're not applicable to entrepreneurs, but that's not my messaging now. If I'd spend all that time and that money creating videos, snipping, you know, snippets of this and that. I can't use any of that now, just a couple years later. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, it's just something to kind of be mindful of too is, you know, until you're at that multiple six, seven figure level where you are like married to that business model and that content and known for that, you're going to change And you have a proven a method. Yeah. 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 I love that. So good. Thanks for sharing that. I didn't know you were a health, health coach. Okay. Very cool. Okay. So, the first step, it sounds like, is to do a time audit to really figure out where your time is going. Mm. Like from there, how do you figure out what kind of help you need? Yeah. So that's where you, you're going to need to classify it in a couple of ways and you can come up with your own point system if you want. But you need to look at the actual task, like the things you really don't like doing. What would it cost to to hire that out, right? If it's something that's going to cost you 400 an hour, then that's not the task you're going to be able to hire out right now. But Unless it's a lawyer. At, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, yeah, let's just get that right there. Lawyers yeah. and accountants, pay them from day one because they're <laughs> going to keep your business running smoothly. <laughs> yes, right there. Um, you know, but looking at the, the tasks and looking at what would this cost for me to outsource a portion of this task? And then looking at, like I said, the energy behind it. Um, and whether or not you're staying on top of it and really kind of have a look at that and go, okay, these are the things that are my number ones to offload. These are my things that I would love to offload, but we'll see what the, where the budget takes us. And then these are the things I really want to keep. And the things you really want to keep are the things that only you can do, right? Like Lisa, only you can show up to do this podcast interview for your brand, right? Like that is something you have to do. If you are a coach, only you can coach your students right now until you have multiple coaches on your team when you are way, way advanced, but right. Looking at what it is that you only, you can do, right. And you're the face of your brand. Most of us for online entrepreneurs, right? Like you have to show up and be visible, but the other things, the emails, the tagging, the creation of graphics, the editing of video or podcasts, those kinds of things don't have to be you. Totally. This is, it's so fitting that we're having this interview today in this in this season right now um, because my goal, I set 100-day goals. So those of you guys that follow me, you know that's kind of my thing. Um, and my 100-day goal right now is to increase what I'm calling, what I've heard from Brennan Bouchard, the quality, prolific quality output, which is the things that only I can do, the mm -hmm. desire zone, the zone of genius. Because mm -hmm. I realized I was hardly doing any of it. So now what I've actually done, this, this has been a process. So I just want to say like what you're saying, Kristen, totally works. And it's something that I, I'm guiding myself by. It's this fancy sticky note that I'm showing Chris right now that you guys can't see, but it literally says the things that the most prolific quality output. And it's the things that only I can do, which is go live, coaching, lead a hot seat in my community, record podcasts, create custom content or freebies, share the vision with my team, speak, lead, lead workshops, and lead mastermind calls. That's it. So I literally now am like trying to reverse engineer this and say, how can I do as much of my day as for these things as opposed to all the other stuff that tends to, if I let it, would totally take up the entire day or 
multiple days or my more than my entire life if I let it. Um, so that's – I love that you just said that because that's exactly what I've been – I've kind of been doing both of those things of like figuring out what are the things I want to pull off and also what are the things I want to add more of that are the most important things mm-hmm. and getting really clear on that. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, you're welcome. So that, and I, I mean, want, that, and I want to say those two so people knew what it, what it was for me so you can figure it out for yourself too. And then when you get this and you figure this out and you figure out like these are the number one things, I'm getting rid of these like as soon as possible. And then the middle ones are sometimes things that we like to do, but somebody else can actually do them. So for me, this is like, I like playing around with stuff in Canva, right? Like, I, I like it. Can somebody else do it? Yes. Can somebody else do it better than me? Most definitely. <laughs> but this is one of those things that was like one of the last things for me to outsource because, and I do outsource a lot of it, but I still will go in and play around with graphics because I like to do it. But only after I've done those other things first that are the things that only I can do. And so once you have that list, it also helps you prioritize your day because now you start with the things that only you can do. And then as your day goes on, maybe you can do a few of these other things that like graphic creation or whatever it happens to be for you, you know, more time on social media. But those are after your big tasks, the big parts of your business are taken care of. And then you don't feel like you've got to your end of the day and you haven't got like, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, got anything done, right? So many of us think like we don't, we didn't get anything done today. We've been busy all day, but we haven't actually accomplished anything. And that's because we're starting with all those little tasks that could be outsourced to somebody else rather than the things that only we can do, which are often the big drivers behind the revenue in our business, right? Or Mm -hmm. the building of the community or whatever that happens to be. I want to take take that just even higher out. It's it's our life too. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, um, It's the things that only you can do and that you really enjoy doing, that you're really good at. Like the more of your life you can spend in that zone – the better quality of life you're going to be, the more likely you are to feel fulfilled and joyful and happy and all of those wonderful things. Not just, you know, I think about this even like in terms of my, with my daughter, for example, my husband and I, uh, I, we call, I'm the hype parent. I'm really good at like getting her excited and getting her revved up. And clearly I'm not very good at bedtime. So my husband does a little bit more of that. So it's, that's like a really small example of how we even translate this to, to our lives. Not to say that I, I still do a lot of bedtimes, but he's, he's a little bit better at them. Whereas I'm a little bit better at like, you know, if she's feeling a little bit sad, I'll turn on the music. I'll get goofy with her. I, you know, I'm the hype parent. That's, that's what I do. So, um, even thinking about that in terms of my family, like how I show up, how, how, what's me being my best self as a mom and in my relationship with my husband, like what is the best thing there? And I, I just think that like the more we can think about that, the question that you asked there when we think about it as our business is so powerful, but even in your whole life is how, how are you showing up your best in your friendships, in your relationships, in your community, as a mom, as a wife, whatever those roles are for you. I think it's just a great question to keep continue to expand. I agree 100%. I love that. I am the nighttime parent. My husband is is you. My husband is when I get them all riled up right before bedtime and I'm like, "Would you not?" <laughs> yep. That yeah. I'm blushing right now. <laughs> My husband is listening right now. Honey, can you just do more bedtimes? I'll just <laughs> But mine bakes. So we have two daughters. We have two daughters right now at the time of this recording they're 4 and 6. And uh I am like 
if I have baked you something, like if I ever give you a baked good, ask me, oh, who made this? Because if it was me, you better get your dental claim ready because it's going to chip a tooth. But (laughs) if my husband bakes with the kids, it turns out great every time. So every weekend they make something, waffles, pancakes, cookies, muffins, something. And he's the one that does all of that baking with them. And so now they get excited every weekend to be like, what are we making this weekend, daddy? Never mommy, because they know it's like, well, here, here's your toast, here's your bagel, but daddy will actually like cook with them. <laughs> That's awesome. my husband too. That's so great. Yeah, I love that too. And, and it's funny, like we've had to have these – so. Had the, I don't know if you've had these conversations in your house too, but we've had these conversations around like that stresses me out when she is like throwing flour. My daughter's two and a half right now as we're co- recording this, like as a flour is going everywhere and she's touching the egg and put like the raw egg and putting it in her mouth and all like that just stresses me out. Um, whereas like ta- <laughs> taking her out on an adventure, like I'll take her to swimming lessons or I'll take her to, uh, I'll, I'll take her everywhere. I take her to Granville Island. I take her anywhere. And whereas that stuff kind of makes my husband a little bit more like, like that kind of drives up his his anxiety or he doesn't enjoy that as much. And so we will take turns on that where it's like, okay, he bakes with her and then I'll take her to science world for a little bit. And that feels fun for me and easy for me. And the baking apparently somehow feels fun and easy for him. So it's oh. like, it, it's good. It's yeah. Th- th- a lot of what we're talking about here is funny how much of it can apply to our home lives too, or our friendships. And, and it's, it's all just personal dynamics and it's evolving and it's important to, to be open, have awareness for ourselves and also for the people we're working with or living with or raising humans with to have those conversations with them too. Yeah. Well, and I mean, as entrepreneurs, our business is part of our life. Like there is no separate, there's no separation of work and home, right? Like most of us work from home, but also like our business is our is our life. Like it's not just like we go and we we punch a clock and in and out we go. Like we're thinking about it all the time. It's a huge part of who we are. It's a part of our passion, our drive. And so when we talk about bringing in support in your business, it might not be hiring a virtual assistant. That might be what you need to not work the 16-hour days, but it also might mean support on the home front. And I mean, that's not something we talk about a lot is like, some people have supportive spouses that can help take over, you know, some of those things. Some people's spouses actually help them in the business. But if you're not somebody who has that, like my husband, my husband's a mechanic, love him to death. He's fantastic with all the hands-on stuff. I do not let him touch my computer because he will break it. So I, he does not support me in the business at all. But it's looking for what is that other support that we need to run my life, not just my business, but my life. So we have a housekeeper come every two weeks. Like, I don't want to spend my Saturday morning four and a half, five hours to clean my house when that's my time with my kids because I've been working all week. And and so it's really looking at what is it that you do need in the home and what are some, you know, some systems or some things that you can even put in place in the home to help you run your business more efficiently or more effectively as well. Right now, this is a little bit geeky of me, but we have like a four bedroom home and I have two kids. So I have a full bedroom as my office. And I was struggling for a while to not go in there after bedtime and not go back in, right? Because it's not like you're driving back to the office to put in an extra couple of hours. It's literally mm-hmm. just walking down the hall. And so I actually went and I got an open close sign made up that I hang on my door as a reminder to myself. And I flip it to close and I close the, the bedroom door for the night to remind myself, like, do not go back in there tonight. You need to have like downtime after you put the kids to bed. You need to have time with your spouse. You need to have time to relax. Like do not go back into that office. (laughs) But like that's my system. It works for me Mm -hmm. because that closed sign is a reminder for me to hold that boundary and hold hold that space. 
But there might be something else you need to do to kind of separate that, to make sure that you're not pulling those 16-hour days. Because otherwise, it's easy as an entrepreneur to do seven days a week, 16 hours, because again, you love what you do. So I'll just go in and just do a couple more, just a couple more minutes and a couple more minutes turns into two or three more hours. You are speaking my language. Yes, I know. <laughs> I've exactly done that. And I think especially right now during COVID, it's not like there's a lot of other things to do, it feels like. You know, there isn't yeah. there isn't the travel. There isn't the social activities. There isn't the – not to the same extent, right? So yeah, I think that's, that's really powerful. And I love that you have that open-close sign as – it's all about triggers, right? What's going to trigger and remind you that it's you're not allowed to go in there? That's really awesome. Uh, for me, I've been starting. I set a thing on my phone that it starts to shut down all my apps at right now. I have it from ten till seven. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to extend that a bit more because I've survived this. So I could probably survive more, but it's really awesome and it's a good reminder that if I try to go in and check my email after that time or try to go in and check my Instagram, it, a, po- a reminder pops up and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't need to check this. I was doing it out of habit and not because I actually needed it. Yeah. So that's that's really good. What other systems? I love that we're talking about the home thing because you're right. It's a business really does take over your whole life and so do kids and so so does life. Um, so what other thoughts do you have around home organization and systems to support you at around the house that can then support you in your business and vice versa? Okay. So I have like a system for laundry. I don't know. Maybe this is a little bit weird, but it works. And so – I'm a fan of of batching a lot of things, right? You, we batch in our business. I also batch in my home. <laughs> and so one of the things I do is I batch a little bit with when it comes to my laundry, but I can't batch everything because of my husband's job and his his activities. So like I said, my husband's a mechanic. So he comes home from work on Fridays and Friday nights I wash his work gear because I don't want it hanging around all weekend smelling like grease and oil and especially if he works on a diesel vehicle. Like, so Friday nights, I wash his clothes and like they go right in and I wash them and they're done. But then Saturdays is my day where I batch the laundry, the lights and the darks and bed sheets and the costumes and whatever else needs to be washed for the weekend. Um, And I try and do it all, you know, four or five loads, like all together, one after another. But then that's it. Like, I don't want to do any more after like four or five loads in a day. And so then Sunday, I do no laundry. And then my husband plays hockey Sunday nights. And if you have a spouse who plays hockey, you know that that you do not want that gear hanging around for the whole week until the following weekend's worth of laundry. And so Monday night, I wash the hockey gear. And it's super easy because literally it's all in the washer, all in the dryer. And then I refuse to fold it. And so I hand it to him and he won't fold it. So he just tosses it all back in the bag. So I'm like, whatever, that's your gear. Like at least it's clean. (laughs) So it's really simple one to do on Monday nights. It's not something that's taking me a lot of time to fold and whatever else. And then Tuesday nights is, is taco night right? Taco Tuesday and towels. And so I do all the towels Tuesday nights because again, it's I really it's thought quick. you were going to say tequila, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that went a different direction. Okay. <laughs> Tacos and towels. Tacos and towels. Um, and so we do that. I mean, other people add toilets in there if you want Tuesday to be in the night to wash your toilets, but I don't do that on Tuesday nights because like I said, I have a housekeeper come every other Friday. So then I do my toilets the opposite Friday. <laughs> but so then I wash the towels. They go in the washer and the dryer. And again, it takes me less than five minutes to fold the whole batch of towels and put them away. So they're not hanging around on my couch all week. I tried doing a load of laundry every night of the week and I was doing darks on Wednesdays and lights on Thursdays. And you know what happened, Lisa? I had a laundry couch. I had yeah. a laundry couch because they would get washed, dried, and then they would just get dumped on the couch. And I would just say to the children, go there to pick to find your clothes. And 
they're wrinkly and it just wasn't working for me. So now I have this new system where I batch a little bit and then I have the other stinky clothes done midweek. Mm, I love it. That's so great. That's awesome. We live in a small – I mean, it's a decent-sized condo, but it's still a condo and we don't have a laundry room or anything. So we just throw everything in the machine. Like It drives my mom nuts that we don't separate the darks and the lights. So we don't have a great system like that, but I, you've gotten my my wheels spinning because we definitely have – you have a laundry couch and we end up with a laundry bed sometimes, especially mm-hmm. when my husband is away. So yeah. You have really, a daughter yeah. though, so you're going to have to be careful because that's a lot of pink. That's a lot of pink going in with the lights. Yeah. I think we just don't have a lot of lights. That's a really good point, but we've never had a problem. The worst thing that happened was after our trip to Mexico, uh, we ended up putting a crayon through the dryer and – that was bad. <laughs> that was really bad. We had that so, this summer, but it wasn't the dryer. It melted on the car seat. Uh, it doesn't come it. out. No, it does not. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it is. And luckily, not a lot of my clothes is in that load. I, that's selfish to say, but like my, it was a lot of like our my husband's <laughs> vacation clothes and my daughter's clothes, which gets dirty anyways. But yeah, whoops, <laughs> that was that was a whoopsies. Um, so, what other? Do you have any other suggestions to? Keep your sanity intact when you've got all craziness of life happening around you as an entrepreneur. Any other systems or home tips? I mean, there's so many things that you could do to save you just little bits of time here and there. So like we have a basket at the bottom of our stairs. And so we have a two-story home. And so we have a basket at the bottom of the stairs. And then anything that needs to go upstairs just goes in that basket. So rather than me running up and down the stairs, because I know like... I know one of the big productivity tips is if it takes less than two minutes, just do it. But you know how many times I'd be running up and down the stairs to put something away because it would take less than two minutes? So I just put it all in the basket. And then at the end of the day, they carry the basket up. And then I just go from room to room putting things away to where they where they belong. And it's just like a little Easter basket or whatever. And I just do it once a night, right? Hair ties, clips, little you know stuffed animals, Barbie doll shoes, like whatever has made its way downstairs for me to step on goes in this basket. And then once a day, I go up and I put it away. Um, oh, it's not I love overwhelming that. because there's just a few items in there, but just enough that I would have had to make seven or eight trips up the stairs to to go and put that away. I also batch my food. And so I think Lisa, you and I were talking about this before, but you know, like I always so when I batch, I'll batch cook, I'll double or triple a recipe so that I can freeze half of it. So we have a, a full upright freezer downstairs um with the shelving in it. And so I'll batch like spaghetti sauce and chili and um, shepherd's pie or a tuna casserole or whatever. Whenever I make them, I make two and I freeze one. And so then what I do is that week I, I'm cooking, I'm planning my meals or whatever. I'm planning one. I always plan something that I've already got in the freezer so it doesn't get freezer burnt. So I look at what I've already prepared. One day we always have something that goes in the crock pot. And so we figure that out, like what goes in the crock pot. Like I said, Tuesdays are taco Tuesday. And so we have different forms of tacos. Like we'll have a burrito or we'll have a taco skillet or like whatever, but it's always something taco related. And once a week we go to my (laughs) in-laws. So like that's planned in there. There's four nights of the seven that are like done and dealt with and I don't have to think about dinner. And so that's like my system. And then on the weekend, whatever I batch cook, again, I'll batch something and freeze half or freeze a part of it. Or generally whatever we slow cook, we also can freeze because I don't know, slow cooker recipes are meant to feed an army, I think, not just four people. (laughs) Um, And so we can usually freeze half of that. And then we just got to cook up some rice or something the night of. Love that. Are you guys seeing the theme here? It's just about 
doing things, you know, once and making it last, keeping things simple so that you would do have the brain capacity to to actually spend t- quality time with your partner and your kids and to show up at, and you've got a big job like to be a director of operations not only for your clients but also you know, the CEO in your business, that requires a lot of mental energy. So you got to make sure that you're not using the mental energy on the little things that don't really make an impact in your life. So I think that's really great. Yeah. One of the things I did this year that's been game changing is I've just started bringing in pre-made meals. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy cooking and I'm not great at it. And especially when my husband's away, it was taking me, even though I'd get like the good food or meal or fresh prep, those kinds of things, it was still taking me like an hour to cook it and then we'd eat it and then it would take me 45 minutes to clean it all up. And that was only one meal. And then it would be like bedtime for my daughter and I never spent any time with her. So that was one of the best things I did this year to simplify is on Wednesdays, I found two meal delivery services. I go in, I figure out like how many meals I think I need for the next week. And I order probably between 12 to 20 of them, depending on like how, what's happening. And that way I always have something like good, healthy, fresh in my fridge to take out. Um, I always get some that are on the go so we can do a picnic or something in the park with my daughter. Like it just has really changed my quality of life. And I, I for so long, I just thought, I want to have a personal chef one day, but it's going to cost like $80,000. That's so far down the road. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that when we actually like broke it down, it was, I don't, I don't even notice the extra money. It might be an extra, maybe, Twenty to fifty dollars a week, maybe, and the quality of life improvement has been huge. So that's something that I did that it felt like a big splurge before, but once I actually did the research and found out how much it cost and compared that with what we were spending at Costco, and, and then not, not, yeah, yeah, exactly, Costco. Um, it was like it wasn't even a big difference, and I don't even notice it. And in terms of my wallet, but I really notice it in terms of my days. Yeah. And I mean, even if you're not quite there yet where you're not quite at the point where you can go and and order food, there are other things you can start to slowly creep in so that they become your norm. So for example, like, okay, shredded cheese versus a brick of cheese, right? Like for the longest time, it'd be like, I'm not paying extra money to have the cheese pre-shredded. Like there is nothing, like I have a grater at home. And then there comes a point in your life where you're like, I will pay that extra money to have that pre-shredded because that's going to take me <laughs> save me five minutes on cooking that meal. And so totally. buy the pre-cooked chicken, the pre-shredded cheese. Like Those are little things. And then once those become built into your grocery budget for a couple of months, then you start to be like, oh, well, now I can actually order the whole meal done for only an extra couple of bucks. And then I, I don't have yeah. to buy that pre-shredded cheese or whatever. That's such a, such a good point. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So good. Okay, I have a few more questions, and then I know I need to let you go. Do you have something like right away, or can we? Do you have time for a few last I, questions? I, I buffered. I block buffer time after every appointment. <laughs> okay, great tip. <laughs> buffer time, awesome. Okay, so a couple of last questions then that I want to ask. Um, how, you talked a little bit about ROI, but I want to talk about a little bit more return on investment ROI. Mm-hmm. You said it's it can be money, but what else can it be? What else is ROI? So you see, in terms of like systems and outsourcing. Yeah. So one of the biggest things for me is an ROI on our time. Um, I mean, that is the one resource we can't get more of, right? Like we can make more money and we will make more money, but we cannot get more time. So, you know, thinking about what is the return on investment of that time? So we talked earlier in the episode about taking courses <laughs> and your love of courses. And this is one of the things I actually have an accountability partner for this now because I shared with you guys, like, I will take the course, I will attend the event, I will do all of the things because I love, love learning. It's not about FOMO for me. It's just like, I love learning and I just want to learn more. But if I'm learning without implementing, then when I go to implement, I have to relearn. 
I have to go back and watch that course again. I have to go back and do that training a second or third time. And so each time now that I'm sitting down to do something, I have to ask myself, like, what is my return on investment for my time for doing this? Not for the money, but for the time. If I'm going to watch this training, what's my return on investment for my time? Am I going to actually be able to go and implement this or not? And if the answer is no, then I hold off on that training until I actually will have the chance to implement or try out some of the trainings and strategies. So that's been a big time saver for me because in the online space, as you know, we are invited to masterclasses and workshops and courses and live events and and all kinds of things. Podcasts and YouTube videos and yeah, Yeah. so much. And so now it's looking at, okay, what is the return on investment for my time? What am I going to be able to take away from this that I'm going to be able to, to use and to put into my day? Right. And so for me, podcasts are enjoyable. And, but you know, I used to have a good like 30, 40 a week I was listening to, and I had to call that back because it was just overload on my brain. And so now I, I'll strategically binge certain podcasts, right? So I'll binge goal setting ones around like the beginning of each month, right? So I might listen to all four of yours at one sitting because I'm looking at goal setting for the month. Whereas like a marketing one, I probably won't listen to until I'm ready to actually get ready to launch a new product or something like that. And then I'll binge the marketing podcast. And so even in my learning now, I'm picking and choosing the things that I love and actually putting them in to a time in my week or when I'm actually going to be able to try some of the things that I'm learning. And so that for me has been a game changer on reducing the hours of my day down. Because if you think about it, if you sit on a masterclass, generally they're 60 to 90 minutes long, right? Or if you go through some course materials or if you register for a live event, that's three days of your week for some of these live events that you're thinking, okay, now I have to do all of the other things outside of those three days. I'm logging 16 hour work days again. So Asking yourself, what is the return on investment for the time you're investing has been a game changer for me in reorganizing my days. So good. I hear a lot of batching in there too. Definitely one of your favorites. <laughs> I know. I'm such so a geek. Good. I can't help it. Okay. So batching is obviously something. I'm a, I'm a fan of it too. What other tips do you have in terms of implementing or optimizing your systems before you go and hire the, the big team or <laughs> – all the people. What other ways can we start to implement systems or optimize things so that we're ready for when we do, we are ready to hire? Yeah. So, I mean, like I think we talked about earlier when I said, when you learn something new, we need to take the time to actually go through and do that thing more than once or twice. Because when you just do it once or twice, you don't haven't drilled down your system yet. You can't optimize it if you haven't actually gone through the process a couple of times. And so really being dedicated to sticking to that thing, whatever that thing is for you, and working through it for like three, four, maybe five times, depending on how complex it is, before you can start to see, hey, wait a minute, if I do it this way, it's actually a little bit better. It actually saves the back and forth. Um, Or even looking at all of these different things, what are the skill sets needed to do all of these different things, to get that email newsletter out? Like what has to happen? Does somebody have to know YouTube? Do they have to, like what needs, what do they need to know? And can that be one person who's involved in that? Or do I need multiple people? And I know even if you don't have somebody hired yet, looking at your system to think, where can I streamline this as much as possible so that it can become one person's task rather than it being dependent on two or three people to put that together for that particular task. And the more you can stream like that, line that before you hire somebody, the easier it's going to be on you to train that hire. Um, and also the less you're going to have to manage the team, because like I said, if you have two or three people involved in the same thing, 
then you now have to project manage to make sure person A gets things done before person B needs to be able to load that to go live. Um, and so if you could have a look at that and see what kind of steps can be cut out or where somebody can be cross-trained on even an element of somebody else's position um, can really help you streamline that workflow and that process. And then you can give that task to somebody and just have them own the outcome. Once they know the quality standard that you expect, they have some examples to go by. Now you can just hand that over to them with the process and say, this is the expected outcome. I expect this email to go out Tuesdays at 7 a.m. I'm not going to tell you when you have to load it in. I'm not going to whatever, but I expect it to be live and out to my list by 7 a.m. Now that person knows the outcome, knows what you want done, and they can own that task. Now you don't have to worry about back and forth between three or four people. So good. That's awesome. Um, I think one of the things that's helped me too is in my team that I wanted to share this in case it helps others too, is always letting my team know, like literally on their first day or when they're working with us, is like, what? where do you see opportunities to improve this? Like, go for it. If you mm -hmm. see ideas, if you're like, oh, let's do this smarter, let's do this quicker, let's do this easier, like go for it there. I'm always open to feedback and suggestions. And I found that's been really helpful too. And I think it helps people feel like they they have a say in it. Um, but it also like it makes it interesting for them to be able to come up with ideas. One of the things that we've recently been trying to figure out how to do it well is uh, my social media scheduling. So I, that was one thing that I was really interested in. I was spending way too much time on actually scheduling it all out and figuring out. I was like, I need to like delegate this out because it's not that hard, but I just can't be doing all of it. And it took us a little while to figure out the right process. We tried a Google form. We tried like the, we tried a few different things. And then my, my VA was like, oh, let's try this and let's try this board. And it's a little Asana board and it's been amazing and super simple for me, super simple for her. And I think it's also just it's great to include your team on those things mm -hmm. and let them know that you're always open to to growing and to figuring out and making it better. Um, so that's the one thing I want to say too as a leader. I think sometimes it's really easy to be like, oh, I got to figure all this out. And for this one, I was like, I have no idea how to do this. <laughs> like, I really don't know. Um, why don't we try some things and let's see what works and let's give ourselves kind of the next three to four weeks to nail down a process that's going to work for both of us. We'll give each other really candid feedback and figure it out. And I'm so excited, literally just on like Tuesday this week, I think we cracked the code. So it's really game changing for us. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, everybody you bring onto your team is going to have different strengths. You're not, I mean, I know we all want to clone ourselves, but you really don't. You want somebody to to do the things that are not your strengths. And so when, you bring, yeah, when you bring on somebody who doesn't have the same strength as you, then you can turn to them and be like, okay, so I'd love it if you have ideas on how to improve this process, right? And that's why I'm a big fan of training for the outcome rather than training the task mm -hmm. because the way I'm doing it might not be the most efficient way. As much as I have tried so hard to streamline my workflows and my systems, I'm not a techie person. And so when I hire somebody to help me with that, I want them to just know the outcome. Like, this is the quality. This is the formatting I like. I like to use GIFs inside my emails. Like, this is what I like. And so if you find a better way to do this or whatever, like, go for it. This is just what I want the final thing to be. And I leave it to them to figure out the best system. Like, I have my Loom video or my method but I don't tell them it has to be done that way. I just tell them this is the final product and you you go ahead and, and make it better than it is. And um, they love that because then they don't feel like they're being micromanaged. That's another thing. Like most people leave corporate because they don't want to be micromanaged. They don't want to move into the online space and have a leader 
who is micromanaging their every movement. And so I think if you can give your team the freedom to capitalize on their strengths Mm -hmm. and really balance out yourself as a team. And again, the more members you have to really kind of help balance each other out, like holistically as a team, you're going to see people that are happier working for you, that are going to want to go further within your company, that are going to stick around longer, because that's the danger when you're using contractors is, you know, they can come and go. But if you really create that team environment where you're allowing people to really shine and show their strengths, um, it's going to be a lot easier for you to have less turnover and really kind of have a happier team that does things more efficiently for you. Yeah. So good. That's so true. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, So you – at what point then – you've given some great tips in terms of how do we – how do we first of all like get out of the 16-hour days? What does it look like to hire our first maybe one or two people? At what point and how do you know that you're ready to hire? I guess – First question is maybe an OBM, and then a second question is how do you know when it's time to hire the DOO, the integrator, the yeah. shiny ama- – sounds amazing. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> so this is where a lot of times your time audit will come in handy to tell you that, right? So if Right. So you- a time audit is not a one-time thing. It's mm-hmm. something you continuously continuously do. Yeah. How, how often do you recommend people do it? Okay. It depends on how resistant they are to it, but I recommend at least every <laughs> quarter. At least every I quarter. I say every quarter too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. You know, it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be, you know, whatever. But I recommend you try it at least every quarter because a lot shifts in your business between now and then. (laughs) Imagine if we didn't do a time audit since pre-March 2020. Like, time has shifted. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, I recommend that. And then when you look at that time audit, when a good portion of your time starts with things like followed up with, (laughs) checked on this, (laughs) Um, you know, the things where you are going through and actually doing the management of the project, if that is starting to take up the bulk of your time, it is time to bring somebody else in to do that for you. And so this might be training up the virtual assistant that you already have, who may be ready and willing to take on more responsibility on your team. Or if they are not interested in that at all, it might be bringing in somebody else to kind of support you in that. Um, And this is where a project manager or an OBM will work at that point. Um, The difference is a project manager manages just the project, whereas the OBM will manage the team and the processes as well in your business. And so generally the pay rate for those two things are are very similar, are very close. So I would recommend just going straight to the OBM um, because then you can have them do do that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, do you know like approximately how much one should be budgeting for an OBM? Like what would that, what would that look like? OBM rate is typically around $65 an hour to a hundred dollars an hour. Like there's a range there, but typically they start at $65 an hour, which is why you don't want them doing the virtual assistant work of scheduling out the email. You want them doing more of that Mm -hmm. management work. Um, so again, looking at what the task is that you're going to assign them. And this is why a lot of people will have their virtual assistant grow into that role so they can give them raises along the way so they can start them doing certain things. Or maybe then they maybe they train somebody else to come in and do more of the entry level things or, or what have you. Um, and they move into that more of that manager role. Mm, cool. That's so interesting. And can you usually find people that can do kind of part time or would you have to hire an OBM full time? Most most OBMs are are fractional, just like directors of operations integrators. Most of them are fractional. I'd say you don't really need a full time person until you're closing in on the seven figure mark. 
Um, cool. So, I mean, my the businesses I work as a director of operations in, I am a fractional director of operations, which is how I can work in more than one. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have that many hours in my week. And they are multiple six-figure businesses, both of them. And I still only work between, depending on launch season, we'll just say between 10 and 20 hours a week, depending on if they're in a launch season or not in a launch season. Um, because again, we have other team members. So I'm managing the team. I'm not loading the emails into Infusionsoft. I'm not loading the social media. I am managing and making sure everybody's where they're supposed to be at the right time. And this link is ready to go live at this time. Like it's a lot of work, but I'm not actually creating the links. Like if I had to do all of that stuff, then it would be more of a full-time role, which is why which is why sometimes in the waters get muddied because OBMs and VAs sometimes can grow into that 30 hour a week role if you have one person actually doing both both roles. Got it. Okay. So so many good juicy things that I'm learning here. <laughs> and really it's really exciting because I'm not I'm not yet at the at the six figure seven figure mark. So it's really cool to see like what that's going to look like and and start to plant those seeds. I told you I had that uh, post-it note on my desk that was the things that are my prolific quality. I'll put the things that I want to spend more time doing and then have another sticky note that says other things that take time. <laughs> and that Like the project management, leading training and onboarding the team, um, marketing. So it's like that's kind of my – I've put that there as a – that those will be the things I look at next because I recognize it, but I, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but anyway, it's interesting that, you, interesting that you said all those things because I feel like I can see my future – on my post-its and with between what you're saying, I'm like, okay, it's there. So I'm sure other people listening can, can feel that too. Yeah. And I mean, if you are still a solopreneur, like if you are still like a one woman show or a one man show, right? Like if, if that is it, then, then that's fine. What you can start doing to get ready is to start recording those Loom videos. The other thing you can do is you can start putting together a document that helps you. And it could be a document. It could be a Trello board. It could be whatever, right? I say a document, but it can be any form of written down. But looking at documenting somewhere, what is your mission, your vision, your company's core values? Like putting those down there, um, putting together like inspirational, like um, your top five topics of content topics, your top five blog posts that really... Um, are in alignment with what you want to do, like putting links together to any kind of brochures you have on your um, your programs, whatever it is you're running, putting links to your current landing pages, like those kinds of things, putting them all into one document. You're creating kind of like this, this onboarding document for the team as, as they, you know, you start to bring them on. So they have this general idea of like, what is this company that I've, I've come to work for? What is the CEO really you know, what does she really see? Where is, where is this going? And what does she really hold valuable? Because our values, and we don't have time to get into that today, but our values really are the driver of helping us make decisions in our business. Whether it's a yes or a no will largely depend on the company values that you have. And as a solopreneur, the company values are often in alignment with your personal values, but they don't have to be. Um, but when you set those company values, it's really, really important as you're hiring to hire somebody who has similar, very similar values, um, or they're not going to work out. I don't care how skilled they are in the long run. If they don't hold the same values that you hold for your company, you're going to be replacing them. And so if you can start putting this list together, you know, even if it's just you and your company, then as you start to get to that point where you're ready to hire, now you've got some of this stuff ready. Because the other thing is like, I don't know who to hire. I have 30 applicants. Well, we could talk about that in a whole other episode, but you know, a lot of it's going to come down to, do they have the skills that you need? And if all 30 of them do, 
then let's look at the values and let's look at where there's the best values match there so where they can grow within your company um, and really serve your clients, your community in a way that's consistent with how you would do it. Because that's why we're so nervous to offload things to other people is because we're afraid that it's not going to be consistent with the way we want our community to feel. We still want them to feel loved and heard and seen. And we're afraid somebody else isn't going to do that the way that we want them to. And so putting together this little document of all of these kinds of things will allow that person that you onboard some time to have some materials to go through to start to get a feel for the language and the wording that you use. And right, you're going to hire from all over the globe. As a Canadian, I say things differently than my American friends. And so if I'm hiring an American virtual assistant, especially an American from the South, they need to start learning the terminology or the phrases that I would say, because it's going to be quite different than their go-to response in an email, right? So mm. you can start to put some of those things together. Another great thing is to copy and paste your most common email responses into another Google document so that they can, again, start to see the language and the phraseology and um, you know, then slowly begin to start responding to those emails as well. Mm-hmm. Such good advice. I just started doing the email thing literally yesterday. I was like, okay, this is getting crazy. I got to template this. Um, but I did – one of the things I did uh, about a year ago is started to hire interns uh, through Acadium. And through that, I created – it's so funny. I'd never heard the advice before, but it works. I did exactly that. I have like an overview sheet of my business and it's the mission, the vision, um, like the problem that we solve, who our ideal client is. Uh, and then all of our values and also the products that we have and then the key topics that that we speak on or talk about that we can draw from for like public relations or social media content ideas or whatever that is. Um, so that is a great piece of advice. It's been super helpful. And my interns and now my team that I've hired, like they, they a lot of them say, I went back to that document and found this or went back to that document and got this idea. or um, And it's something that's a living, breathing document that, that continues to evolve and change. And what I've done from that then is then built my onboarding process from that. And um, it, it's just so helpful. So I love that piece of advice. It's been helpful for me. I got to get better at the emails. Yeah. I just – so I don't know if you guys use Chrome, but I just bookmark the document in my Chrome bar at the top. And then as I'm working in something, I literally just open it as a new tab and copy and paste it in. Like I just copy and paste, copy and paste, and it doesn't – it takes an extra 30 seconds. So it's not like it's – something that's going to, I don't have to go look for the document and open it up and then add it in. Like it doesn't become an extra to do. It's literally, I open a new tab and then I, they all just kind of slides over. And then at the end of the week, I'll go through and I'll hyperlink them to create um, like a contents at the top because the document obviously is getting quite long. So I'll do that all at once. I'll batch that part, but the rest of it just kind of just stays open and I just copy and paste it in. So I don't have to go back and look for that email or that response. And you guys can do this as a solopreneur. Like this isn't something you have to sit down and block off Fridays or half a morning a month to do. These are things that you can start to put together as you're working through them. Like as you're creating your core sales page, start to think like what are the, the phrases that I'm using that I need to kind of pull aside and then pop the link to that sales page right into the document. It's not... I want it to be as simple and, and fit right into your day as much as possible rather than us always thinking like, oh my goodness, I have to set aside like a whole bunch of time to actually sit down and do these things. You can just do them as you're growing your business. Yeah, that's awesome. Such a great tip. Okay, what other – you mentioned uh, Chrome. You've mentioned Toggle, Loom. What are some of the other productivity must-have tools and support that you use? Okay, so one of my favorite, favorite ones is 
um, a Chrome extension called Go Full Page. I don't know if anybody is familiar with it, but what it is, is it's a full page screen capture. So you don't have to like copy and paste. And so a lot of times, like, like I said, I love learning. And so I will click on everybody's link. And if I am like totally immersed in this sales page, I'll screen capture it. Cause I'd be like, they said something that pulled me in. So I know I don't have the same product as them, but there's something about this page that's so captivating and I'll save that. And then when I'm going to create my own page for my own product, I'll go back to that page and say, okay, like what was it that pulled me in? Um, And so you create a whole bunch of swipe files that way of things that were really captivating for you. Um, And so I love that one. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, Another one that I use is Loom or Vidyard. Um, And so those, for those of you, if you're not familiar with them, they allow you to do screen recordings. Um, And so this is what I'll do to give instructions to a virtual assistant or anything like that. Um, This is also great if you have a course and people are always asking you how to log back in. They forgot their password, (laughs) whatever. Um, Responding to things in the Facebook group. If someone can't find something, you can walk them through where it is. Um, Love that. Another one I use is called Session Buddy. And this is very similar to OneTab. They're just different apps. Um, And essentially what it is, is it allows you to save your millions of tabs that you have open in a browser um, and then close everything down. I feel so seen right now. (laughs) So I just click on that. You can save it. And then I can go back into the app and just pull up whichever one I want to reopen or all of them. It'll reopen all of them at once if you want. So those are my favorites. Um, one of the other ones I I don't know. Um, I use LastPass as a password saver. Uh, there's other one is One Password. There's a few of them out there now, but LastPass is my my favorite way to share passwords with your team and your virtual assistants. I use Bitwarden. I tried LastPass, and for like over a month, I was even I was paying, and we were struggling. We just could not get it to work. And I even have. I have a, a friend of mine who has a very successful VA business and deals with – she had at the time over 70 people on LastPass. And she tried to help me and she could not figure it out. And I could not for the life of me get any support. I emailed. I met – like there was just nothing. And so I switched to Bitwarden because of that because I was like – because none of us could get it to work and there was no support. So sorry. That's my like little yeah. – <laughs> I have to say, if you also can't get Last – everyone else seems to be fine. I have not been able to get it to work. I use Bitwarden. It's like $12 a year. And I've had no issues with it. And they have a support team. That's And that's awesome. So my only caution there would be if you're working with multiple contractors, mm. you're, the most common one is LastPass. And you can't have more than one password um, protection generator on Chrome at a time or they clash. They won't work with each other. So you can't have like one password and LastPass and whatever else they they will fight with each other and then they won't work at all. And so most contractors use LastPass. And so if you need to share, you know, logins with the copywriter or somebody who's setting up a funnel for you, um, just, yeah, just be careful about that. If it's just you with your Mm -hmm. own team, then you can have them set up whatever. But again, if you have a VA that works for two or three other businesses, they might be on LastPass versus something else. So Interesting. Okay. All right. haven't had an issue yet, but that's good to know. Good to know. (laughs) I So I'm going to mention this because I think it's helpful because I know there's probably going to be some course creators listening to this. And I don't know if you know about this yet, Kristen. So I gotta, I'm going to see if I can maybe help you out with the tip. Um, so there's a program called Searchy. And I mentioned it in the beginning. Have you heard of it? I have. Yeah. It's okay. Clarence, baby. Yes. So it is amazing. 
It Searchy allows you to search in videos so or audio. So this podcast, I'm actually going to, I add it to my Searchy and anybody that's in my program, my community, or if you're in our Golden Girls Podcast Facebook Insiders group, uh, you can actually search the podcast for whatever word. So let's say you want to hear when we talked about um, – being productive at home, it'll take you to the exact spot in the audio or video where we talked about it and pull it right out. So super, super cool for my clients because they instead of um, having to go through every single course to find the exact point where I talked about something, all of my Q&As that I do, every live, every live video I do in the group, every course that I have, every module I have in my course, they can actually search the audio of it. Plus, I also add in the podcast. If I've ever talked about it in the podcast, they have that too. And it's amazing. It also creates a transcription. Um, so that's really cool for organization. And if you're not a course creator, you might be like, why does this matter? Well, the other cool thing about it too is that they also have like uh, Loom or uh, you said Vineyard, um, they also have a little – icon in Chrome that you can record and do videos. And you can also, again, I don't have to like detail out the video exactly what it is because my VA can actually search my processes and look for where did I say convert kit and it'll pop up and talk about that. So instead of having to detail out an, uh, an SOP quite the same level, Searchy actually, she can search my process videos and it also creates transcriptions for it. So it's already done and super easy peasy. Um, so I just had to throw that out there. I'm, I, it's really cool. I'm also, I'm a proud affiliate because I'm actually really proud about it. Like I'm nerding out right now because yeah. it's super cool. Um, but I'm going to put the link to all of these things in the show notes, like Loom, the Searchy, the Toggle, the Go Full page, everything. So you guys can go check these all out. And I'll add one for Searchy too because um, it is, it's amazing. It's really powerful. Yeah, it is. It is for your course creator. I mean, I I highly recommend it. There, there is a fee for it, but it it saves you again so much time, right? What's the return on investment? Now I don't have to totally. answer 800 emails about this question or exactly. answer in the Facebook group over and over and over again. Exactly. And for my clients, it's like a service for them too, that it's easy for them to get their content. And I know they really appreciate that. So yeah, I love that. Okay. Before we wrap up, I have a couple questions I like to ask every guest that I remember to ask. Uh, so <laughs> the first one, that's real. Uh, the first one is, what's a goal that you're working on right now? All right. So my goal right now is I'm actually working on a coaching program. And so my goal is to get that live by 2021. So as of the time of recording this, I have about seven weeks. <laughs> so that's my that's my number one goal right now is to get that ready for January. So exciting. Amazing. Uh, okay. You're in Canada, so you better know the answer to this. Uh, poutine, are you a cheese curds or are you a shredded cheese girl? A shredded cheese girl. What? I know. What? I know. I just yeah, can't. You and Lindsay. I don't understand. I just... It's a texture thing, I think. Oh, I really need to start asking that at the beginning of the episode just to see if we can continue on. The right answer is definitely curds. <laughs> I know. That's the right way to do it. But you asked. This is the way I eat it. It's no, no. I know. I appreciate the honesty. It's okay. It's all right. You know what? We might be perfect poutine buddies because if we go on a poutine crawl together, you will eat all the shredded cheese ones and I'll eat the curd ones. It'll there be perfect. Uh, what's a book, the latest book that you read that was really helpful in your life or business? Anything that you think everyone should be reading? Hmm. Oh my goodness. You should see my bookshelf. Um, you know what? The one that I always come back to is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, yes. So good. Always. I read it every spring. I don't know. There's just something about it. And I think it's every time I read it, I pick out another little tidbit that just seems to be most relevant to where I'm at in that phase of my business. But I think it's a great reminder for all of us to 
continually be moving towards our zone of genius versus getting stuck in our zone of excellence. And that tends to be what happens with me is I'll get stuck in my zone of excellence rather than really moving into that genius. Um, and I, I know it's a common thing for a lot of business owners. And so that's why it's one of my favorite books to go back to. And I recommend it to everybody I work with because um, it's, again, it helps you make that shift when you're bringing people on as to how can you get more into your zone of genius. And that often means bringing on support for the areas that you've been doing, which may be your zone of excellence, but not your genius. Mm, so good. I literally just recommended that on episodes 31 and 32. I was like, you have to read this book. It's so good. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I also read it every – usually like January to March, somewhere in there. So it's like, I read the same person, except you like the, the shredded cheese, so we're not. Uh <laughs> and you hug okay. your kids up before bedtime, so we are not. <laughs> <laughs> but we also don't like baking. You know that <laughs> – uh, okay, so tell us where can we find you? And I know you are create. You have a brand new, amazing freebie that you have to share with everyone. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, I can. So when Lisa says like brand new, I mean like she asked me if I could get it together for this episode, and I'm like hustling on the back end to pull to pull together the tech things. So for those of you who may have heard me on another podcast, you know like I'm huge on like delivering stellar onboarding and offboarding. Just note that. I'm going to be giving you this freebie and you may, you'll just, depending on when you download it, you may just get the one email that delivers it or you may get the full onboarding sequence. It all depends on how much I can get done before this goes live. But that being said, I've developed a new freebie that it's called a focus framework. And what it does is it has you self-select where you're at within your business growth. And so if you're just, if you're a startup, you know, you're just really kind of getting your feet wet. If you have been doing this for a little while and you're haven't quite hit the six figure mark, but you've, you know, you know what you're doing and you've got some clients and whatever. If you've just passed six figures, but are like really looking to, to scale past that. And then if your, your goal is to hit the million this year. So there's four different phases for you to kind of self-select. And then depending on the phase that you're at, what you'll get is you get a, a customized PDF that walks you through. So my focus framework is that you need strategy, structure, systems, and support to really grow and scale your business. And if any one of those things is missing, you're going to hit a plateau or you're going to feel really kind of stuck or, or overwhelmed because you need all four of those components to really holistically move your business forward. And so each of these PDFs will give you two tips for strategy, structure, two tips for structure, two for systems, and two for support based on the phase of growth that you're in. So that you don't need to be worrying about people that are 10 steps ahead of you. You don't need to be thinking that you need to do what your mentor who is at seven figures is doing. You can really kind of hone in on what you need to do for strategy support at the phase that you're at. And so I'm super excited to get this one out. This is by far the most in-depth freebie that I have created in my life. Um, it's together. It's ready. I've just got to do the tech side of things. So that's what I'm really excited to kind of be putting out there for your audience. Amazing. Okay. So the link is going to be in the show notes. Make sure you go grab that. I'm going to grab it. I'm super excited to check it out and get tips. And I think this speaks to a couple things that we talked about. Uh, one of them being, you know, trying to take advice from everybody that may be in different levels in their business. I think this freebie helps those people. If you've been trying to learn all the things, it'll help us figure out exactly like what are a couple of things at my stage of business that would be really helpful to hone in on. So I think that is super powerful. Um, and I also just want to say, you know, Kristen, it was, it's really brave of you to be like, I'm just going to put it out there even though it's not you know 100% where I'd want it to be. But so much of entrepreneurship is that, is having to put it out there before that. And um, I hope that you, you know, even what Kristen said throughout this episode of like, you don't have to spend a whole 
whole day or a whole week or a whole month, like figuring out the perfect systems, you can start integrating that into your day. And it's the same thing with what she's doing with this freebie. She's putting it out there. It's like, you know, going to be, it's going to be amazing. And she's going to just continue to tweak it and make it even better over time too. So depending on whether you're downloading this November, 2020, or in, you know, November, 2021, you may see a slightly different thing, but she's still putting it out there. She's still getting it done. And I think that's something I'm always an advocate for on this podcast is putting it out there and just getting it ready and get it moving faster than you think you can. Um, because sometimes the fear can stop us from putting it out there. We want it to be perfect and then we never get it out there. So I just want to congratulate you on that. And also thank you for letting me light a loving fire under your butt to get it out for the time of this episode. I just know that there are going to be people that download it on the first day. Um, and I'm really excited for them to have it. I know I will be one of those people. All right. Awesome. Well, so- <laughs> fingers crossed all the tech works. And if for whatever reason it doesn't, shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will get it all sorted out for you. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So where's the best place that people can find you? Is Instagram your your jam? Instagram is, okay, used to be Facebook, but I have had so many Facebook issues. For those of you who have followed me, I got hacked twice. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Once in July when I was running a five-day challenge, I got locked out of my own Facebook page on day three and I couldn't finish my five-day challenge on my own Facebook page. I just got access to that last night. Um, And I got hacked in September. My business ads account got hacked and took forever to get that back. But I finally have my ads account back. So I was like, wow. Instagram it is. <laughs> and so I've just kind of shifted entirely over to Instagram and that's the best place to find me. I manage my DMs on Instagram and I chat with a lot of people that way. So <laughs> Awesome. Okay. And I'll make sure there's links there to to all those things and your website down below. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for all of this amazing wisdom that you've shared with us today. I feel like some of the biggest things, I really appreciate that you shared your own business mistakes and I think that's going to resonate for a lot of people. Um, I appreciate you also sharing like at what stage Stages, it makes sense to hire who and helping us understand the differences of of that. And also just a reminder that we, it doesn't have to be big and complicated. We can start creating these processes and systems right away. Um, those are all really big takeaways for me. And I also – one other thing I really loved is just that you were reminding us of how important it is to really get clear on what it is that moves the needle for us, that we are the best at, that real – you know, I'm calling it prolific quality output. You call it a zone of genius. There's lots of different words for it, but like figuring that out and remembering that the whole point of systems and processes is for us to be in that zone in our businesses and in our lives, um, and that's what this is all about. So thank you for sharing these awesome tips to help us all get there. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.